The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. If you'll remain standing and turning your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, page 1016 in the Pew Bible, if you're using that. 1 Peter chapter 5, and verses 1 to 11, let us worship our great God together by listening very carefully to this, the reading of his word. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, how we bless you and praise you again for your word this morning. We pray, Father, that, that as we hear that word this morning, that you might be most merciful and gracious to us. Come to us, work by your spirit, Father. Grant that I, the preacher, would speak and that your people would hear and receive and believe and obey only your truth and that you would indeed use that truth to guide us and to preserve us on that path, even the path unto, unto everlasting life. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's in his name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Think about those words uh, this morning as we uh, uh, think about those words which conclude our text. I would suggest those are wonderful words to make our own prayer, worshipful prayer, a prayer of worship and praise that the Lord Jesus would be ruling, reigning in his kingdom. But but I ask the question, where and how do we expect to see him doing so? Well, one very important way is through the very thing which we saw take place this morning. And what we pray and trust will will be the result of what we uh, saw take place This morning, we know the kingdom of Christ, in one sense, he rules over everything, of course, but his kingdom is seen in a special way in his church. 
And that means that a very important way in which we are called to live in the kingdom of Christ is by living in humble submission under the oversight of elders. That's a, an amazing thought, a humbling thought to those of us who, who hold that office. Makes me think about my own calling and ministry. Most of you either were not here or probably don't remember. Maybe some of you will remember. But it was almost exactly five years ago to the Lord's Day that I stood up here and I preached from the very text before us this morning. I think it was my third sermon ever preached. We were here from, for two Lord's Days, preached morning and evening, both Lord's Days. You'd flown us over from Africa as you were considering calling me as a pastor here. We focused particularly on the first four verses. I just preached that text in Africa, so I kind of reworked it. And as I stood up here, it turned into sort of a specifically an address to the elders. I look back and think, that was sort of crazy bold. What on earth was I thinking, preaching to the elders? Uh, The elders were gracious enough. The congregation was gracious enough or foolish enough to go ahead and call me to be a pastor here anyway. And so here I am. But what an honor to think here in God's providence. Five years later, we see the Lord so blessed that we, uh, and and blessed to be blessed, uh, to be be present for the ordination and installation of new elders here. Uh, Well, as we have new elders, what what an appropriate uh, time to, to, to meditate once again on this particular text and think about what, about God's desire, God's purpose, God's sovereign will and therefore what ought to be our desire and our prayer, namely that we see the rule of Christ through the godly exercise of the office by these elders that God has reigned up, uh, who, who rule with, with Christ-like, uh, Christ-like uh, oversight over God's people. The, the message this morning is this, that King Jesus rules in his kingdom through the oversight of elders. My three points are the same as five years ago. We're going to note three things about the elders, commands given specifically to the elders, and they come from those four verses, but I'm going to draw as well from the the, the entire passage before us, which speaks to the duty of all of us uh, uh, in terms of submission to the elders. And by the way, that includes us who are elders. We're, We're to submit to our brothers in the Lord. But even in the commands we're looking at, There's a general application to every believer. The commands to the elders are this. Understand the importance of your calling by Christ. Have the character of Christ. And lastly, look unto the reward of Christ, that reward being the crown of glory. And as I was thinking about that, I didn't think of this five years ago, but we could uh, make use of alliteration this morning and use three C words, calling, character, and then crown, calling character and crown. So consider that first point this morning. Elders, understand the importance of your calling by Christ. King Jesus has called you. Christ has called you. Elders, think about the fact that the God-man Messiah, the one who rules and reigns in his messianic kingdom, does so through your work as you, along with Peter, shepherd the flock. Under him, the good, or the chief shepherd, Christ, we've been learning, he's the the son of David, the son of Abraham, he is the Messiah King, and we recall that that David himself had been a shepherd when God first called him to be a, a king, to go and shepherd his people, Israel, 
In this way, David followed in the footsteps of of Moses. You recall Moses Moses had tended the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro before the Lord raised him up and and called him to, to shepherd Israel. But then it was later, it was David who was the first anointed king, the first good anointed king in Israel, called to shepherd God's people. Seems that back in those days when David was tending the sheep out in the fields, he understood well what he wrote in the the 23rd Psalm, that that ultimately the Lord, he is the shepherd of his people. The Lord is my shepherd. So surely then, when God called David to be king, he understood something of what a high calling that was, what what a privilege it was to shepherd God's people on behalf of him who is the good shepherd, the Lord himself. So it was to be with all of Israel's kings. And now, in this, this, this age of the new covenant where God's grace has even been more fully revealed, where now then, and particularly, are we to look to see the rule of Christ? Well, we were reminded of that even this morning, right? It's not, not in the office of the U.S. president, not in any other uh, earthly civil magistrate. The throne of David is now located in heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So again, where do we find his rule, his authority, his kingdom reign in this world, particularly in the church? So as, as David had been a shepherd here, Peter now is writing and as, as an apostle and elder, see, we see that the, he understood what a privilege, what a high calling it was to be a shepherd, an under-shepherd under the, the, the great shepherd. We know from John 21 that it was uh, as his resurrected Lord appeared to him and the other disciples, Jesus commanded him, Peter, feed and tend my sheep, tend or shepherd my sheep. That same word, tend, uh, tend used in John twenty one sixteen, is the word which Peter uses in verse 2 of our text here. Shepherd, tend or shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So just as Christ commanded Peter, so now through Peter, Christ was commanding the elders. And elders, we need to hear this well this morning, don't we? We need to feel the full weight of these words, hear these words, receive them, just as if we were there with Peter, standing on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias, hearing it from the lips of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. We know, of course, that the the apostles had a unique uh, work as those who were were called as the eyewitnesses of the, the life, the death, and resurrection of Christ. So Peter does call himself a witness of the sufferings of Christ. But notice in the text that it's before that that he describes himself as a fellow elder. Peter's saying, you elders, you share with me the same important calling of shepherding Christ's flock. Just as the resurrected shepherd King Jesus called me, Peter was saying, so he has also called you. So to be an elder in the church then, it's to join with Peter, laboring on behalf of Christ, joining with Jesus, as it were, in that important kingdom work of feeding, caring, feeding and overseeing and caring for those precious lambs for whom Christ shed his blood. What an important work that is. Elders, we ought to understand that and understand that well. And we ought not to take that work lightly. Our text reminds us of this, I think, by reminding us 
of the seriousness of the battle. Now, these, these were Christians who were suffering persecution, but Peter reminds them of who the great enemy truly is. And know what we see here. Of course, on the one hand, we, we know that, that Christ, he is the, the reigning king. Jesus is the great lion of the tribe of Judah. He has come, and by his death and resurrection, he has conquered sin and death. He has destroyed the devil. And yet, what do we see in the second part of verse 8? Here the devil continues, doesn't he? He, he? he prowls around like a roaring lion. You can imagine the, the early days of David out tending those sheep, the ferocious lion out there just stalking the flock, thirsting for blood. Well, we have an even more dangerous enemy, don't we? The devil himself. Christians, he's, he's active. He's stalking you. Every one of you who belongs to Christ, he, he, he's actively seeking to devour you. And he's not interested simply in consuming your flesh. He wants to, he's after your soul. He wants to, to take you with him, to be destroyed, body and soul, in hell forever with him. And if you see the seriousness of the battle, then you see the seriousness of the command here, the importance of, of doing what Peter commands in verse 9, resist him. Firm in your faith. Well, an important way we do that is by doing the thing that we see in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. An important part of humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is by humbling ourselves in submission to those elders whom God has appointed and placed over us. And we see that the command there, the command to, to all of the congregation, verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Who are the younger in this context? They speak to the, the general command for the, the young to have respect, to respect your elders and so forth. That's certainly true. But clearly, I think in the context, Peter is speaking to the official leadership structure of the church, the duty to submit to those who have been called and ordained unto that work of exercising spiritual leadership. That is to say that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, uh, but by humbling ourselves to the rule of God, uh, which is in Christ Jesus, the God-man, by submitting to Christ's under-shepherds, the elders. And the one who who's, uh, resists this, the one who's given to a disparaging attitude towards the, the leadership of Christ's church, really is in a dangerous place, spiritually speaking. Christ has given elders in order to, to provide care and protection. Note the last part of, of verse 5, we are to, to clothe ourselves, clothe ourselves with humility. And that certainly includes, that's, that's, that's a command to all the, the congregation, the, the elders in, uh, are also to do so, and we're certainly going to speak to that. But we're called to, to, to uh, clothe ourselves with humility, knowing that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you desire to live under the mighty hand of God, to live under his protection from the enemy, the evil one? Well, if you do, then you will honor God, you will honor Christ by honoring those in authority over you in his church. It's an important reason why we are to, to be praying for the elders, praying for these men who are ordained today. Pray for all of us, your elders, brothers and sisters, pray for us. 
Pray that we would clothe ourselves with humility and that we would do justly and love mercy and serve God well as we walk humbly with him, our God. Pray for us, but do so with an attitude of submission, an attitude of submission to the elders, expecting them to be an important blessing in your life as they, as they seek to care for you. We think of the commands of, of the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Paul writes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Or Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 Obey your leaders and submit to them. They are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And for for the elders, as we hear those words, that should only strengthen our sense of the seriousness of our calling and and move us to, to, to zeal to do it and to do it well. And that's why... As we see secondly, our second point this morning is that elders have a duty then to show forth the character of Christ. There's the second C, the the character of Christ. And think of it this way. Through our shepherding, God desires to show his people his own heart. Remember remember how that was true with King David, right? and as the Lord raised up David, we read in First Samuel thirteen fourteen that the Lord had sought out a man after his own heart. Elders, are you striving to be men after God's own heart? We have a, a duty to show God's people the kingdom by in our own conduct, our own character, character modeling the heart of the king. Wow, what a great responsibility. Is it even possible, truly? Well, only by the powerful grace of God in Christ. We do well to remember the words of Peter in his second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 1, where he writes about the power of God at work in us. His divine power, Peter wrote, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, the calling there, of course, is for all believers. We are all called unto glory and excellence as those to whom God has granted, Peter writes, granted such precious and very great promises. Those are promises by which we we become partakers of the divine nature. We become like God, ethically, morally speaking, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful Desire, but, but Peter goes on then to speak to the duty we have then to seek moral excellence, to be making sure, making every effort to supplement, supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And he goes on and on. We're to be those pursuing faith and, and knowledge and self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brother of, brotherly affection, and love, Peter writes, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an important reminder for all of us, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, are you striving to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ? Are you striving each day to know 
Jesus, to be more like Christ, that by his grace you might become more fruitful and effective in your calling. But certainly it's so true, so important for elders in particular. Are you doing this? And brothers, are you doing this because you love the sheep? In John chapter 10, verse 14, when, when Jesus spoke those wonderful words, I am the good shepherd. He was contrasting himself with and condemning the leaders of Israel who had not functioned as good shepherds. They were bad shepherds. They were shepherds who who were motivated not by love for the sheep. In fact, we know that's true because just after the context there, Jesus had just healed a man who has, had been blind from birth. And rather than rejoicing with God's people over God's blessing and his grace, instead they, they tried to bully the sheep. They tried to intimidate the sheep and drive them away from this very Jesus who by performing such a marvelous miracle was showing that he was the, the son of God, that he was the one who could bless and shepherd God's people. Why would they do that? Why were they driving the sheep away from him who was the good shepherd? Because they didn't love the people. They were concerned only about themselves, their own positions of power and prestige. They were like those, those wicked shepherds whom the prophet Ezekiel condemned in Ezekiel 34, those ones who, who failed to feed the sheep and instead they were using the sheep to feed themselves Ezekiel 34, verse 10 says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. In that context, the Lord made such wonderful promises, promises that he would come and he would bless and he would feed his people. He promised to come himself as shepherd of his people. He made this promise, Ezekiel 34, verse 23, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. How wonderfully the Prophetic promise there, of course, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And how wonderfully it's fulfilled in the work that Christ is doing through those elders whom he raises up as shepherds in his church. Elders of Christ-like character. And so in our text, Peter reminds us as elders that we should be motivated not by self-feeding, right? Not by, not by greed. We are to shepherd, as he says in verse Verse 2, not for shameful gain. To think that there were those who were holding office and still do today for the purpose of enriching themselves in the things of this world. What a shameful thing that was and is even today. Paul warned Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 5, about those who are of depraved in mind and deprived of truth, those who imagine that godliness is a means of gain. He went on to warn them, verse 10, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. What a great, great sin it is to dishonor Christ by dishonoring the office by seeing it as a means of becoming rich. Instead, we see that Christ calls the elders to do their work from a willing heart again. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, 
as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Elders should not be doing their work as if someone's forcing them to do their work, but doing it out of eagerness, zeal, true desire. Think again of of, of those words of Jesus to Peter. Remember what Jesus asked Peter three times. We do well, all of us, to think on these words this morning, and elders let these words pierce our hearts as they speak to us about what our motive ought to be in, in discharging the duties of our, of our office. Elders, what, are, what motivates you to, to seek godliness, to model godliness before Christ's sheep? Is it love for Christ? Love for sheep because we love Christ and we love Christ's sheep. Peter, do you love me, Jesus asked. Peter, do you love me? Jesus there was not trying to guilt trip Peter into doing something Peter didn't want to do. Of course, we know that Jesus was there restoring, graciously, lovingly restoring the Peter who had failed him by denying him three times. And so three times our Lord called upon Peter to reaffirm his love for his Lord. Jesus loved Peter, and and so he called him to, to reaffirm his love for his Lord Jesus. And he received that. He, he graciously received that affirmation of love. And it was in that context that accordingly, then he called him into his service. Then take care of my sheep. As we take care of the sheep, elders, are we, are we compelled by nothing more than the love of Christ? And if so, then we will love his sheep. And so we see the call then to, to love them by not being domineering. We're not to ex- exercise abusive authority. The last part of verse 3 says, not domineering over those in your charge. It means we're not to, to rule with a heavy hand. We're not to rule in a harsh way. Instead, we're to be gentle. We're to lead the sheep, lead them not by bossing them around, not by lording our authority over them. Peter had heard those words of, of Christ in Matthew chapter 20. Remember when Jesus contrasted what, what leaders in God's kingdom ought to, ought to be like in contrast with the leaders of the world, the Gentiles. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what Jesus taught. And that's the way Jesus, of course, lived. He, he showed that humble, servant-like leadership all the way to the cross. And Peter, by God's grace, as an apostle and as an elder in the church, was following Christ's example. Again, Peter did not appeal to his apostolic office in order to sort of exalt himself above and lord his authority over the rest. He identified with the other elders as a fellow elder. Uh, Elders, we do well to remember that what a high and holy calling. What an important work it is to hold this office. But we're not to use that. We're not to, to see ourselves as being uh, over the, the, the other sheep in a way of sort of self-exalting, a prideful sense. We're to lead, not domineering over those in our charge. Verse 3 goes on. But, but being examples to the flock. 
Examples of humility, modeling the character of Christ, modeling the character of that one who was not domineering in his exercise of, of leadership, modeling the one who got down on his feet, on his knees, and he washed the feet of his disciples. We do well to remember the, the next thing that Peter or that Jesus told Peter after he restored him and commanded him to, to tend, to feed the sheep. Remember what Jesus told him. Verse 18, he said, When you're old, Peter, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Just think on that. Peter, you're going to serve, you're going to exercise your, your office, not unto your self-exaltation, but unto your death. Feed my sheep until you die, as it were, Peter. Such ought to be, I think, our attitude of humble service in the church of Christ. All of us, all of us as we serve one another, and certainly the elders as we model that kind of service. By God's grace, as we do that, we, we live as, 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 as testimonies that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who even now is reigning in his kingdom, and that kingdom will one day come. And all of its glory. Well, that brings us to the last thing that we see about the elders this morning. That they must labor then, looking unto the reward of Christ. There's the third C, the crown, the reward of Christ. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Interesting that they're promised a crown of glory. Crown, of course, denotes Kingship, doesn't it? Elders are to rule, uh, reflecting Christ's kingship over his church, and yet the crown which they seek is not their own prestige and honor. Elders don't go around sort of viewing ourselves as wearing crowns of glory among the congregation. Why not? Because the glory that we're seeking after is not our own glory. It's the glory of Christ we do well to remember that that vision which, which Christ gave to the Apostle John, Revelation 4, 10 and 11, where John saw those, those 24 elders, elders evidently who had crowns, but what were they doing in that vision with those crowns? They were falling down before him who sits on the throne, and they were, they were taking those crowns and they were casting them before the throne in worship, giving glory to him. I don't believe that this crown of glory refers to some kind of special reward which is only for the elders. Uh, we elders are not to see ourselves as, in terms of sort of being in a special category in terms of the reward which we will receive. Uh, the Apostle Paul didn't seem to think of himself that way when he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. He also wrote about a crown, but here's what he wrote. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But was it something Paul saw as being given only to him? He says, he will award it to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. To all who have loved his appearing. Think on those words this morning. Dear Christian, do you love Christ? Do you long to see Christ? Do you long to see him and see him revealed in, in all of his glory when he comes on that last day? Do you long to partake of that glory in fullness of communion with Christ forever and ever? 
This crown of glory, I think, is, is the very thing he describes in verse 1 of our text, that, that glory which is going to be revealed, and it's a glory which, which Peter, uh, a glory of which Peter, not only together with the elders, but with every believer, will partake in fullness on that last day. Elders, do you long for that? Do you long for that glory? And is that what, what motivates you to discharge the duties of your office? I suppose in, in, in some ways the most important thing that we as elders can do by way of serving the sheep is to make sure that we are, are daily building ourselves up in that hope, the blessed hope that Christ is coming again because as we, as we do that, we'll become more like Christ, right? We're told in 1 John chapter 3, the one who has this hope purifies himself. It's a purifying help. We draw near to Christ, we'll become more like Christ, and that will build us up in the desire to to build others up as well in that hope. The more you long to see Christ, the more you will long to to, to help others uh, long to see Christ. We know it's true. We know, it, we know it's true because that's so it was with Jesus himself. Jesus uh, lived with this longing to return to the Father, to be with the Father in, in that glory which he shared with him even before the world began. But Jesus longed for that glory not only for himself, he longed for it as well for the other disciples. We know it's true because that's what he prayed in John 17, verse 24, he prayed, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. To think that, that, that elders, as, as we are serving the church of Christ, that we are instruments through whom Jesus is shepherding his people unto glory. And so let us lead them in being those who seek After that glory, let us do ourselves and let us lead them in doing the very thing which Peter commanded in the first chapter of this same epistle. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We ought to be examples to the flock of those who who live our lives, using the words of the Apostle Paul in Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us do so, brothers and sisters, and let us do so knowing that as that happens by the grace of God, Christ the shepherd, he's fulfilling his promise. He is leading, he is guiding his sheep, guiding us to those those heavenly green pastures and those quiet waters of our inheritance in glory. Is that not the very thing that Christ has promised to us? Think about his one other revelation seven village uh, vision. Think on this in closing this morning that a day will come and we will be there, all of God's people, before the throne of Christ. John describes how he uh, will be before the throne of Christ, serving him in his temple, sheltered with his presence, hungering and thirsting no more. The sun shall not strike us nor any scorching heat. For, John tells us, the lamb in the midst of the throne will be our shepherd. will be in the presence of our shepherd. And he writes, and he will guide us to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Will not, that not be wonderful? What will that be like? How glorious. What will we be saying? 
Well, among all of our wonderful words of, of, of prayer and praise, I think we'll be saying those words. To him be the dominion forever and ever. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Let's not wait to say those words. Let's make that our, our prayer. Even this morning, let's enter into that prayer, that worship, that praise, elders by serving Christ, serving him faithfully. And people of God, serving Christ by submitting to your elders and in every way that God calls us to live out that heavenward calling. Let us live our lives ever crying out to Jesus, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask this morning that you would do that good work in us. We do bless you, O Lord, for giving us your own son to be our savior, to be our great Messiah King. Father, we ask that, that, that even this morning that he, Jesus, would become more precious, more supremely glory to, glorious to us. Work by your spirit in each one of us, certainly in our elders and in all of us. Father, cause your word to fill us, to dwell in our hearts, that, that, that it might bring forth in our lives much fruit, O oh Lord God, by which you would be glorified by the grace and for the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen.